you have your Bibles along, you're welcome to open up to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And later in the message, I'm going to be flipping to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And uh, I'll be in that in just a few uh, moments. So Matthew chapter 22. You ready? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Turn and touch your other neighbor and say, are you? Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. I've got a message titled, Proper Focus Today. Proper Focus. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Today I want to talk about the importance of bringing out the best in yourself, but also in the lives of others. Jesus put this in form so you and I would come to comprehend that the first thing we must do is learn to love the Lord our God. And as a result, what's going to happen, we're going to learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we cannot be effective in loving others if we have not taken time to learn to receive God's love for ourselves. Now, Jesus gave us some cues and some principles in addition to this scripture, to help us know how to keep the proper focus in life. You know, he talks about Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, his way of doing things, and then all these other things will be added unto us. So he's letting us know if you will keep God a priority in your life, and you will keep his ways of doing things a priority in your life, then all these other things will be added unto us. The psalmist says in Psalm 37, verse 4, to delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you what? The desires of your heart. Now, God loves to give you the desire of your heart, but the key is learning to keep him a priority in life. How many know when someone says, we just fell out of love? That's really not accurate because you don't just fall out of love. You refocused your love. If someone says, I fell out of love, you know, with my spouse or, or you know, I just haven't been going to church much lately because I just have lost my love for God, that's not true. The truth is you refocused. You have that love in you. You have that passion in you to keep your marriage, your family You have the ability, you have the DNA, you were created in his image to love one another. But the problem is you refocus and you began to put your attention on something or somebody else. You know, like the old mindset that it's greener on the other side, the grass is greener on the other side. That's not really technically true. It's greenest where you water it. It's always greenest where you water it. Jesus said, your heart's going to be with your treasure. So where your treasure is, That's where your heart's going to be. The problem is you began to refocus. Now, I'm going to ask you, the first question I have for you is, what are you magnifying? What are you magnifying? Because I believe that God has a message for you that's going to help you to know this is a vital message for today. What are you magnifying in life? How many know that when I look out at you today from this distance, I see a lot of good stuff out there? I mean, I see some good-looking people out there. I'm talking about, I mean, really good-looking people out there. And I can see a lot of good-looking people. Wow, hot, 
my goodness, I mean, really good-looking people out there. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? But what would happen if I started moving a little bit closer to somebody? I might be able to focus on something I shouldn't be focusing on. Kevin, I see a little bit of eye boogers here, I think. Uh-oh, now he's going to fix it. I'm teasing, of course. <laughs> the closer we get, how many know everybody wants intimacy in their marriage, in their relationships, you know, with God, with one another? I mean, we're talking about they want close connection. They want to feel connected. They want to feel understood. But the problem is everybody wants intimacy, but they don't want into me. In other words, stay the distance. Don't get too close because if you get too close to me, you might see some flaws in me. You know, the question is, though, what are we magnifying in life? Because what we magnify in life determines on how bright our future looks. Because if we look at each other with a magnifying lens with fault, kind of like this is a true story, an internet couple that met each other over the internet. When they met on their first day, the guy said, oh, I am so relieved. I feel so much more comfortable. I didn't see any flaws in your pictures, but today I can see some flaws. Now, I don't know if that relationship made it very far, uh, but the fact is, is the closer we do get to each other, we will see some flaws. But the question is, what are you magnifying? Because before marriage, oh my goodness, you are so laid back. I love your laid back personality. It's just such a comfort to me. That's code word after marriage is lazy. (laughs) What once was a great quality became a negative. And here's the thing is that, interesting enough, what we don't like in others is oftentimes what we don't like in ourselves. And the reason why we begin to find fault in others is because there's something in them that we don't like in ourselves. Now, there's a a, a tip to this because it's very important that we know how to uh, keep the right proper focus in life. So I've got one more uh, tip for you here in just a moment. I'm going to give you two tips today. And number one, of course, is what are you magnifying? And the second one I'm going to get to in just a moment. But the question is, when we begin to see fault in one another, you know what's most important that we do? Is we get the magnifying mirror out. You know what I'm talking about? Because when you look at the magnifying mirror, Jesus said himself, didn't he, that in Matthew chapter 7, that we should not judge one another? I know that's a scripture that all the people who smoke weed always use. Don't judge me, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Don't judge me. So, you know, Jesus has got a purpose in saying this because we oftentimes find fault in one another. And yet it's sometimes the things that we're dealing with. You know, I can't believe he's back on drugs or he's, you know, addicted to alcohol again. I mean, what is wrong with him? The question is, what are you not looking at in yourself right now? Because obviously for you to want to judge this other person for the lifestyle of weaknesses that they might be struggling with is oftentimes what you dislike in yourself. If you will be honest and begin to look and say, whoa, I got some mind boogers too. And uh, what's that thing hanging from my nose kind of thing? And you begin to take a self-examination and begin to reflect you might see some of the things that you don't like in other people. Because, you know, one thing I found, when I worked for my dad at the lumberyard, when I would cut those great big planks of wood, guess what? That sawdust comes from the planks. And Jesus says, take that plank out of your own eye. You know, sawdust came from the plank. It's oftentimes what we dislike in ourselves. 
Maybe you're not addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography or something else, but maybe there is something that you're dealing with that you have not released and given to the Lord yourself. Maybe it's an addiction for food. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, I got to find love and I'm trying not to turn to the world and do it the world's way, but, you know, I'm a Christian and I can eat as much as I want. It's not a sin. What do we, wait a minute. Gluttony is a sin, according to the Bible. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There are times in our life that we have to do some self-examination. If we are finding fault in other people, this is where we get out the magnifying mirror and stop judging them and start taking a real close look at ourselves, realizing, wait a minute, maybe what I'm disliking and seeing in them is something that I'm dealing with myself. Maybe it doesn't come in the same form as what they're dealing with, but... It's another form of addiction of some sort. You just simply need to take a close look at yourself to deal with what's going on in your own life. Because the truth is, is for those who use the self-examination mirror and they do a magnifying mirror moment and they begin to look at themselves and they begin to get their eyes cleaned and their nose cleaned and they begin to clip their nose hairs and their ear hairs and everything else, you know, it's just like, where is this hair coming from? I mean, it used to be where it was supposed to be, and as I get older, now it's starting to come places where it's not supposed to be. But you begin to clean yourself up, and when you get cleaned up, you feel better about yourself, right? And you have a desire to help others get better about themselves. But don't be too quick to go and try and change them when they're still a plank in your own eye. If we will focus on changing and improving ourselves, no great Revival has ever taken place in America or around the world when someone was dragging somebody in the church saying, God, change this person, change my spouse, change this child. God, I am dragging them here. I'm putting them on drugs. I'm drugging them to church, you know, kind of thing. I'm getting them here one way or the other, and here they are. Now change them. Now that's not how God works. He says, you change yourself. Inspire the world around you so that they'll want to follow you. Because when you feel good and you begin to see clearly and nothing's blocking your vision and you've got proper focus, I'm telling you, you will be able to see the good in one another. You're not going to be focused on what's going on in their lives. Now, there are times where we may, as leaders and Christians, help one another get better when they come to us and say, hey, would you please help me? But when we're so eager to try and change everybody else, that means there's something going on in our eye in that we need to get cleaned out. We're finding fault rather than finding gold in one another. Now, when you get proper focus in life, how many know that you will cease more opportunities in life and you will build healthier relationships in life? When you get the eye boogers out and you get your face cleaned up, you start to feel better about yourself and you start thinking, wow, I feel so good. And you want to help others get better. But it's not in a judgmental way. It's out of love and compassion for one another. Because you see more clearly now. And you think, I want the whole world to experience this. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 26, that reminds us as husbands that we're to wash our wife in the word of God. In other words, we're to build her up, to edify, to encourage her, to exhort her. Now, how can we honestly do that if we don't get ourselves cleaned up first? 
If we don't get the proper perspective and get ourselves washed and cleaned up, it's going to be a whole lot more difficult to clean someone else up, to exhort them, to build them up, to edify, to encourage them. Because how many know that you become a fault finder because you're your biggest critic in life? You know, oftentimes people sit there and think, you know, uh, that person, they're just so critical. They're so, they're, they're so complaining. What, I mean, what is wrong with them? It's because they're the biggest critic themselves. They find too much fault in themselves. So I'm not going to leave you at magnifying the problems today. I don't want you to sit there now. You can take a dose of humility and make sure that, oh, you know what? If I'm finding myself being judgmental, I better take a close look in the mirror and make sure that I'm cleaned up myself. And if I'm finding myself being a fault finder, then I'm going to get this magnifying mirror out there and I'm going to make sure I get cleaned up instead of finding fault in others. And so I feel better so I can build people up and I can exhort them and I can encourage them. I can wash them in the word. But you've got to learn to get yourself washed in the word. And that's where I'm going to talk to you specifically today about not only what are you magnifying, but are you mirroring the word of God? Are you mirroring the Word of God? Are you taking time to look at the Word of God and begin to realize who you are and whose you are? Because the one thing God won't let you do is He won't let you keep fault-finding yourself. Now, you might need a dose of humility today or tomorrow or the next day like we all have had to deal with. You know, when someone frustrates us or irritates us, we need to make sure, wait a minute, am I being an irritant? Am I being frustrating to somebody else? But then don't leave yourself that way because you've got to wash yourself in the Word of God. And how you do that is you mirror the Word of God. Joshua 1.8 makes it clear that when you meditate in the Word of God day and night, when you begin to meditate in the Word of God, when you mirror the Word of God, when you meditate, that means to mutter in the Greek. That means to speak out loud, to hear yourself say it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Nobody will believe themselves more than they themselves will believe themselves. So what you're saying will eventually become true. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you see yourself as a loser... Guess what? You're going to keep building losing relationships. You've got to see yourself as a winner. Let me give you a great example of this because it overlaps in every degree, in every angle you look at, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, in every aspect of life. Amy asked me a question recently in the last week. She said, how do you get people out of a downward spiral? They're going from negative to negative situation. How do you pull them out of that? How do you curb? So, you know, maybe they lost their job and they go from one job to the next job or they go from one addiction to another addiction or they go from one relationship to another relationship. Maybe they are failing. Here's what I recommend, fail forward. In other words, learn from your mistakes. Pick yourself back up, like Micah 7, 8 says, is that don't rejoice over me, enemy. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up on my feet. So don't stay down. Don't let the enemy have the last laugh. You get back up, and you start laughing. You start enjoying, hey, I'm going to get better out of this situation. Now, here's a great illustration. There's a good friend of ours uh, that pastors a great church. It's a very large ministry. Thousands of people attend that church. Now, that's not how it started off for him. He was at 17 years of age, and he was thrust into full-time ministry because his dad died. He was not prepared or ready to take on that kind of responsibility. So that, about 20 years ago, was a major thriving ministry 
And I believe they had right around 800, maybe even 1,000 people that attended that church at that time. Now, 20 years ago, that's a great big church. Still is today. But the factor is, is that was a great big church, a very successful, thriving ministry. When the dad passed away, the son steps in at age 17. Guess what happens? It starts to go downhill and downhill fast. He said they were leaving so fast it was ridiculous. It said it got down to 400 people. Remember, from 800 to 1,000 people, it dropped down to 400 people. And he said that, that counted the children and the dogs and the cats. That 400 might have been even exaggerating. Now, he realized he was failing, and he was failing fast. And so he made a quality choice in the decision that he knew the area that he was failing the most in was leadership. And so he knew that if he could turn the ship around, he could help save what his parents had built for so many years. So he made a quality choice and a decision from that day on that he would read one leadership book a week. So he began to invest in himself growth, a hunger for growth to learn, to learn from his mistakes, to learn from his experience, and he began to grow, and he began to grow fast. He turned that ship around, and he saved that ministry, and he not only has saved it, but they just built on another extension, a multi-million, I believe it was 11 or $12 million extension, and I am telling you, it's a beautiful facility, and they still have millions in the bank. How could you take someone that's taking a nosedive to get them out of that to get them where they need to be? The question is, what are you magnifying in life? Are you taking time to magnify the right things? Are you magnifying your failures? Or are you magnifying the qualities? Learning from your mistakes. Saying, is there some gold that can come out of this? Because I believe Romans 8.28 says, God works all things together for my good. So God, what good can come out of this situation? And how can I improve? So if you're failing in parenting then what you do is you make a quest in your life to learn everything you can about parenting. If you're failing in marriage, then you do everything you can to learn about marriages. If you're failing in leadership, then you do everything you can to learn about leadership. Are you following me? Is this making a lot of sense? Because I don't want to be confusing today. It's important that you take time. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, in the Amplified Version, it says, Make love your greatest quest. So if you're failing in a certain area, the Bible is making it clear you learn and improve and become better. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your life is always going to gravitate towards what you see on the inside. And if you see victory on the inside, guess what you're going to experience on the outside? Victory. But if you see yourself as a failure, as a loser, guess what you're going to keep attracting to your life? If you see yourself as an addict, Guess what you're going to keep attracting? Addictions. This is not real hard or complicated. This is something that God says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how do you change? You begin to change yourself. Not the people around you. You focus on self-improvement in the word of God. And you begin to seek for wisdom, a quest for wisdom. And God will always bring you out better off than you were before. Rather than going from victory to victory or uh, going from defeat to uh, defeat, you've got to make a decision to say, I want to be on the side of going from victory to victory. And I want to keep learning and growing and getting better. And the only way you're going to do that is if you keep the proper focus in life. 
You've got to make sure, just like the rest of us, that we've got to make sure that we keep God our priority in life. Our love and affection should not be going towards anything else or anyone else but God himself. And if we will keep God our priority, then Jesus said, then everything else will be added unto you. In other words, you delight yourself in the Lord and all these other desires that God has placed in your heart will come to fruition. But it requires you making God your high priority in life. We've got to take time to mirror the word of God. Make sure we're magnifying the right things. And when you need a dose of humility, you get out the magnifying mirror and say, oh God, dear me, help me, change me. And then you get out the word of God and God says, listen, I'm not going to leave you. I know you got some things you need to work through. That's called sanctification. The rest of us are going through it as well. We all have to be purified. We all have to be sanctified. Listen, in Christ you're perfected, but God knows there's some things that you're still dealing with, doesn't he? But if God says, Sean, that shirt is pink, then this shirt is pink. You might as well begin to expect it's going to turn pink. If I say, hey, this shirt is pink, and you're all looking at me strange like, it's not pink. It may be a strange look for you. But if God says it's pink, then you might as well start expecting it's going to become pink. Because what God says, it is. God's word is final. God's word is your authority. God's word is your bedrock. God's word is the rock and the foundation for your salvation and anything you need saving from. God's word is is the truth, the way, and the life, and you can only come to it through Jesus Christ. Now, there are people that have hurt us. We all understand that. We've all been hurt. There are people who have been violated and horrible things have happened to them. But don't get bitter. Get better. You know, who knows what they went through themselves. I'm not justifying any of their sins. I'm not saying it was right that they did what they did. But I am saying no matter what has happened to you, it's vitally important that you don't cloud your vision and lose your proper focus because you're so mad at that person and what they did. And they're probably even dead and in a grave already and you're still angry at what they did to you. You've got to get better, not bitter in life. Who knows what happened to them? Who knows why they acted the way they did? But if we assume the best in them, maybe they were violated. Maybe they did something terrible. Again, I'm not justifying what they did was right. All I'm saying is that if you assume the best in them, that they just did all they knew to do. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe a parent really is just you're mad at that parent and they didn't love you the way you were supposed to be loved. And you know what? If you judge them, you have just judged yourself in an unworthy manner. That means there's a plank in your eye. I would never do that to my children. Wait, wait, wait. I hope not. But the factor is, is that if you don't get that plank out of your eye, guess what's going to happen? You may not hurt the child the same way that your parent hurts you, but in some other way, you may hurt them if you don't get that plank out of your eye quick. You've got to make sure there's no more eye boogies there. I went golfing with a friend the other day, and I was going to hand him a tissue and say, because he's a really good golfer, and uh, I said, uh, Alex, I said, um, <laughs> I know you don't like bogeys, so here's a tissue. <laughs> All right, so bogeys, one over par, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, a good golf joke for you guys that like to golf. The truth is, is how can you be kind to others if you're not kind to yourself? You hear what I'm saying today is that you've got to get yourself clean and washed up before you can love one another. 
You've got to keep working on yourself and make sure you keep the proper focus because the closer you get in relationships, the temptation is going to be magnifying the worse in one another. Keep focusing on the best in each other. Write the quality list. Take time to write that quality list. There is a quality list in every spouse. There's something good in everybody. But if you focus on the bad in everybody, you're judging yourself. You've got to clean out what's inside of you and start loving one another. But you have to first learn to receive love yourself and focus on the qualities of another because the closer you get, whether we're talking about coworkers, we're talking about a spouse, we're talking about children, if you're sitting there finding fault in others, people are not going to enjoy being around you. Amen. They're going to run from you. And Jesus says, you're the salt and light in this world. So that means you've got to be inspirational. You've got, you've got to be one of these people that are out there like, I love you, not just with my words, but with my actions. And I'm going to believe the best in you and therefore by bring out the best in you. Because when you magnify the right things in somebody and you keep saying, man, Kevin, I just love how sweet and kind and loving and inspirational you are. I mean, these men, they, they just love coming to the men's event. You're changing lives. You're transforming people. You are the next generational leader. You are quality through and through. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. You're faithful. You're honorable. You're a mighty man of God, and you're helping men in this country. You're helping men right here at High Point Church. You're a blessing, Kevin. And if I keep focusing on that, guess what? Kevin's going to keep rising up. How do we bring out the best in each other? We see the best in each other. In uh, Thailand, there was a number of years ago, there was a big statue in the middle of their city. And the city wanted to put a freeway right through the city, and so they needed to move the statue. This statue was hundreds of years old. And so they did everything engineering-wise to make sure that they moved that statue very, very carefully. Well, they hooked it all up, and some of the clay started falling off right away, so they restructured, re-engineered. They did everything they could to move that very, very carefully. And by the time they got it to the new location, uh, some of the clay had fallen out still, and a big chunk fell out, and somebody noticed something very bright and shiny in this now, this clay image was something that was very special. Once again, it had been around for 100 years. They went to find out it was made of solid gold. The clay was never intended to be permanent. What they once thought was worth thirty dollars or $40,000 became worth millions and millions of dollars because they began to see what was on the inside of the statue. God sees gold in each and every one of you. On the outside of all this clay... There is gold on the inside of you. And you can't forget that. Even when you've messed up, you've got to clean up, help him help you clean up, but then make sure you begin to magnify the good in yourself as well. Take the time to look at the qualities of what God says about you. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. You are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and not the borrower. I just filed for bankruptcy. Listen, you are the lender and not the borrower. God says you're the lender and not the borrower. That shirt's about to turn pink. You've got to see the gold in you that God says about you. That you're blessed coming in, you're blessed going out, and everything you touch turns to gold. It prospers. Why? Because God is with you. And if God is with you, who can be against you? Amen? Amen. Make that quality list. Take some time to put the quality list together. 
Put the I am's together for yourself. When the devil's having a heyday trying to push you down and push you away and condemn you and make you feel guilty and shameful, then you get off that quality list and say, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am accepted. I am anointed. I am qualified. I am loved and I am valuable. Hey, right now, some of that clay is chipping off right now. I'm seeing some gold in each and every one of you. I'm seeing it because God sees it. And what he says is the truth. Make a list for your spouse. Make a list for your children. Review it on a regular basis. Take time to look at it and examine it. And you know what? If they are close to you, take time to share that list with them. Take time to say, you know what I see in you? I see quality. I see good things. I love how you parent our children. Hey, I really appreciate you taking care of this situation or this. I just want you to know you are an amazing wife. I am so grateful to be married to you. Or vice versa. You are such an amazing husband. I am so appreciative. I'm telling you, you are such a good man. I love that laid back quality about you. It helps me to stop and take time to smell the roses. Hey, I enjoy being around you. You help slow me down so I don't speed through life too quickly. Take time to focus on the qualities and begin to keep magnifying the good because when you magnify the good, even in God himself, I'm telling you the problems become like molehills. God gets bigger. Now, you can't get God any bigger, but in your own eyes, he can get bigger. The more you magnify the good and all the qualities in one another, in our creator, I'm telling you everything else, the problems get smaller and smaller. The devil gets smaller and smaller when you're sitting there magnifying our creator. Amen? Take time to magnify the right things in life. Now, there are going to be times where people may say something unkind. That's where you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Like 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says, David strengthened. He encouraged himself in the Lord. There's times where there's going to be people out there that may say unkind things about you. That's just a fact of life. You live in a fallen world. But listen, you've got to take time to encourage yourself in the Lord. Build yourself up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 reminds us that we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would be, that we'd walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. God says in Psalm 139, verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at you as a trophy. He looks at you as a masterpiece. He, look at, he looks at you as a work of art. God loves you, and you've got to know you are loved. And you are valuable. There's a true story of a man who went to China and he was looking at a tattoo shop. He looked at the tattoo shop and there were some samples of different tattoos that had been taking place. And there was one that said, born to lose. He was shocked. He couldn't imagine somebody would write born to lose on their body, tattoo themselves with that statement. He was marveling at this. The owner came out and he was from China himself. And he was marveled, and he asked the question to the owner. He said, do people actually tattoo this on themselves? And he nodded, saying yes. And he said, but before tattooed on the body, tattooed on the mind. Do you see yourself in the right lens? Are you focusing on the qualities that God says about you? That you are free, that you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are accepted, you are anointed, you are approved, you are qualified, you are loved, and you are valuable. Are you seeing yourself fearfully and wonderfully made? Because there was a man in the Old Testament named Jacob. He was a trickster. He was a liar. He was a cheater. 
But one day God touched him and he changed his name to Israel, a prince of nations. There was another man named David. He was just a young man. He took care of the sheep. God touched his life, touched his heart, and he became King David, who never lost one battle in history, reigning over Israel for over 45 years. There was another man named Saul in the New Testament, and he was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians, but Jesus touched his heart, and he became known as the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament. There was another man named Simon. He was someone who used foul language. Jesus touched his heart, and became known as the Apostle Peter, who went and changed the world. World for Jesus Christ. I can see your shirts. They're changing right now. Your image on the inside is changing. You're gaining proper focus today because you are learning who you are and whose you are in God's eyes. And the more you come to realize who you are and whose you are, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You'll begin acting out what's on the inside of you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has spiritually equipped you already. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have improvement. You, you should. You should keep growing. You should be developing those gifts. But God is saying, whatever I have called you to do, you are equipped to do it. God believes in you. The question is, do you believe what God says? I'm going to close with this thought, and I want you to think about it. I'm going to read it, actually, because I feel like it's vitally important that you grab a hold of this. This is going to take you into a deeper level of trust with the Lord. Take a look at John chapter 4 with me, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to Jesus, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, which would be 1 o'clock p.m., the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. I'm going to prophesy over you right now. And this is for everybody. Jesus is saying, no matter what you're dealing with right now in your life, no matter what the problem is, if you will believe his word tomorrow at one o'clock, things will be changed. Circumstances will be changed. Conditions will be changed. You know, if you are a parent, I think you can relate with me on this. If you've ever taught your child to swim... You know what you do? You come out into the water. You've got the child, and they're ready to go into the deeper end. Well, they're wanting to get stronger, a better swimmer. And so you say, okay, put your hands right on my shoulders, okay? Daddy's got you. I'm not going to let you go. I won't let you sink. Daddy's got you. And what do they often say? Do you promise? Pinky promise? Do you promise? Jesus is saying we don't need those signs to believe every word that comes out of his mouth. Jesus, if I was to say, Jesus, do you promise 
I have just devalued the original word that came from his mouth. If you are a husband, you are a father, you are a wife, you are a mother, and if you say, honey, I'm taking you out to the deep end. If that child says, do you promise to not drop me? And you had already given him the original word, daddy says, you'll be safe. I've got you, honey. I won't let you sink. They have just devalued the power of the original, authentic word, especially if you are a person of character and integrity. They have just devalued the original word. When you are out there sitting there saying, I need to see a sign. Are you sure? Do you promise? God has already said all of my promises are yes and amen. The original word of God, when he says, I've got you, baby. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. Show me a sign. Gideon did this, didn't he? The angel appeared to him and said, mighty man of valor. He's looking behind him saying, who, who are you talking about? I'm the weakest of my clan and the weakest of our nation. I'm the least of my family. And who are you talking about? And he says, no, you are the mighty man of valor. And I'm going to use you to reclaim everything that belongs to you and your family. He said, well, if this is really, really the, the word of God, then, then stay right here, angel. Stay right here. I'm going to go get an offering. I'm going to bring it back. And if you're still here when I come back, then I'll believe it was the original word. Guess what he did? He came back and the angel's still there. He, de- he delayed his... Re- his going because he had asked him to put out a sign. And so the angel's still there. And so Gideon, you know, gives him the offering. And then, you know, it's the angel takes care of the offering. It's a sweet smelling aroma, I'm sure. It's a blessing. But the factor is, is then he says, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to put out a fleece now. And if I wake up in the morning and that fleece is all wet and everything around it is dry, then I'll know what you said is the word of God. So he wakes up in the morning. The thing is fleeced. It's, it's really wet. And he says, wait a minute, one more time, one more time. I really need to see a sign from you. He's not believing the original word, is he? God wants you as a believer to get into a deeper level of walking with him, believing the original word of God. So he says, now this time, I want this thing to be dry, this fleece. I want this to be dry, but I want everything all around it, the ground and everything to be wet. And then I will believe it is the word of God. Jesus is saying, hey, this generation, they keep seeking after signs. Do you promise? God, you pinky promise. God's saying, don't devalue my original word. I said, by my stripes, you are healed. I said, you are blessed. I said, you are forgiven. I said, you are redeemed. I said, you are anointed. I said, you are equipped. I said, you are qualified, approved, and I'm telling you, I'm going to bring you through no matter what kind of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fiery furnace thing that you go through, no matter what line den you go through in life, I will bring you out as the head and not the tail above and not beneath because I am with you, and if I'm with you, you will come through victorious. And that's why we can believe God's original word that he will work all things together for our good, not because you're so good, but because he is so good and he is true to his word. He cannot lie. And he promised you he will never leave you nor forsake you nor let you fail. Just say the word, the centurion says to Jesus, and I will believe I understand authority. Just say the word. 
And Jesus said the word and he believed. And he marveled at his faith. Is God marveling at your faith because you believe the original word of God? And one day, if that's the case, he is going to say, Kevin, Chris, Brandon, Jamie, Derek, Rob, Mike, Boyd. Well done! Well done, good and faithful! You've gone from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from grace to grace. You believed me. You walked by faith and not by sight. And you moved mountains because you believed my authentic, original word that I said is truth. And truth is the highest form of reality that will ever exist. Facts are not. God's word is truth. If he says your shirt is red, then expect it's about to turn red and you might as well receive it now and say, I am healed. I am blessed. I have been delivered from all principalities, powers, and darkness. I am free. And who the Son has set free is free indeed.